0: Welcome to Hillcrest Church Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow the privilege of hearing from Rachel Daly, uh, who serves uh, part of the University Christian Ministries. She is one of our missionaries to Western Washington University. She is a gifted musician and worship leader. And we just thought it would be so appropriate for her to be um, uh, uh, preaching one of these sing sermons for us this summer. So will you give a warm welcome to Rachel as she heads on up here. Yeah. Nobody look over there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Good morning, everyone. I'm just going to face this way. So. <laughs> it's really good to be here with all of you today. My name is Rachel. Uh, and yeah, like Tim said, I'm on staff with uh, Campus Christian Fellowship up at Western Washington University. And we are indeed in a series about singing how God meets us in the music that moves us. And this is really exciting for me um, because I'm, I mean, I, am, I do worship, but I also just, I think my favorite time to sing is when I'm alone in a car or in my house. That's like the best time. If, if you're ever like alone in a house and you're like, I don't know what to do with myself, think about it, no one can hear you. This is the time, right? There's just nothing more fun than, you know, belting Broadway show tunes or whatever you might prefer. Uh, really loudly when no one can hear you. And another way that I, uh, that singing and song is a part of my life, I really love to make playlists. Uh, you you might've been familiar with mixtapes, I don't know. Uh, but now in the day of streaming, we have playlists. I, I make playlists for everything. I have a workout playlist. I have a dance, party dance playlist. I have my epic soundtrack playlist so that when I'm doing my taxes, I can feel like I'm in Lord of the Rings. Uh, really. Yeah. One of my favorites. And I even, I even have a playlist for this sermon, which I thought maybe that would be fun to share with you guys. Uh, just kind of some songs as I was preparing that uh, came to mind. And so if you, if you have Spotify and you would like to have this playlist, you can just point your camera phone at this QR code and it can be, you can have it as well. Um, But playlists are fun because you can like curate your own experience, right? You can pick songs, you can put them together. You can almost tell a story with it. And it kind of makes me wonder if you could make a playlist that told the story of you. A playlist that was like a series of songs just telling the story of your life. Uh, Because music is really tied to memory. Right? Uh, you know, you, couples might have a song that they call our song from a, w- their wedding day or a first date. Um, when I was a kid, my mom would listen to Celine Dion while working out in our garage. <laughs> and so to this day, when I hear that Canadian's voice, I am seven years old, and I can see our garage has since been remodeled. It looks totally different, but I can see it exactly the way it was then. I know the color of the carpet on the floor. I can see exactly where my little playset was. Music is really tied to memory, right? So you probably could tell uh, the story of your life through a playlist. I wonder if you did that, how you'd put it together. You know, what songs would be on a playlist that told your story? Which ones would you pick to help remind you of those really significant moments or people or milestones in your life? And I talk about this because song and memory, song and remembrance are tied together in scripture as well. In fact, you could say that God's people had a playlist, God's people that we read about in the Old Testament. The people of Israel had a playlist of songs to help them remember their story and their history with God. They had songs to help them recall significant moments in their history, like the crossing of the Red Sea, when God parted the seas and, and saved his people. And they had these songs of remembrance because remembering was critical to their relationship and worship of God. In fact, scripture teaches us that remembering is an essential component of faith. Whenever you see in the Old Testament the people of Israel kind of like getting off track and, you know, going crazy, it says they forgot God. They are charged over and over again to remember him, to remember their history with him, remembering would result in faithfulness and obedience and blessing and forgetting would result in apathy idolatry and ultimately exile and they were especially encouraged to remember god in times of suffering or trial or distress so praising god for his goodness in the past was to remind them of his blessings and build up their faith in the midst of challenges or threats And we are often encouraged to do the same, right? To remember as a way to build up our faith. We sing songs like, this I believe, this is what we believe. Recently, I even had a pastor friend counsel me that when I'm struggling to see God in my life now, I need to remember what he's done in the past. Or it makes me think of this quote I'm going to put up from Charles Spurgeon, where he says, "'Memory is a fit handmade for faith.'" When faith has its seven years of famine, memory like Joseph in Egypt opens her granaries. I love that quote. It's a beautiful quote, right? And everything I've said about remembering as a way to build up faith is true. But here's the thing. It's not always quite that simple. (laughs) I mean, think about that story of the playlist of your life again, right? Imagine if you were listening to it right now. I wonder what narrative would the songs on that playlist shape for you. I wonder if you would find yourself listening to certain songs over and over again, or if there would be songs you would wish you could erase. I wonder what emotions it would bring up for you. Would you find your heart warming toward your past, or would you want to flinch away from it? I think we all know that for as good as memory can be for our faith, it also has its pitfalls. Another quote about memory that says things a little differently is from the poet Mary Oliver. She calls memory a golden bowl or a basement without light. Memory can be a source of joy in dark moments, but it can also trap us in nostalgia or pain. Because memory ultimately is the story that we tell about ourselves and about God, and there are wrong ways to tell that story. There are wrong ways to remember. You know, maybe you've known or been the kind of person whose you know, your identity is like completely bound up with past achievements or past glories. That's a wrong way to remember the past, right? That can get you stuck. Or maybe you're more like me, I'm pretty nostalgic, and I can get so caught up in remembering how good the past used to be that I find myself unable to be grateful for the present. You know, sometimes I'm comparing this idealized version of the past to the challenges of the present. Or maybe, you know, there are some songs on your playlist that are just downright painful, and you just can't seem to escape them. So memory can all too easily become a basement without light. So it's no wonder then, that in our culture, we often find ourselves pushed to live in the present. You know, I think uh, the spirit of our culture might say, forget the past, right? You're alive right now. Now and the future is what matters. You know, mute the playlist. Don't dwell on the past, right? Even whether it's painful or pleasurable, just be here now. And you know, that can seem like really good advice. And yet, in Scripture, we find this enormous emphasis over and over on remembering. So, if we're going to trust Scripture, and, you know, I'm, I, I am. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> I assume that if you're here today, you're at least interested in hearing what it has to say. Um, then despite all the ways that it's possible to remember wrongly, there must be a way to remember rightly. There must be a way to remember in such a way that it builds our faith rather than hinders it. So we're going to talk about that today. And in order to do that, we're going to look at one of the songs on Israel's playlist. We're going to be in Psalm 77. If you have a Bible, you can go there. We're just going to be in that psalm for the rest of today. We're going to hear in the heart of this songwriter just why I think God cares so much, not just that we remember, but also how we remember we're going to let him model for us how to remember rightly so a little bit of a of intro here um if you're reading the first few verses you'll see that he's encountered some kind of distress this soulness we don't know what it is um but we know it has caused him to be up late crying out to god and we know he is so distraught at one point he says he can't even speak right so something something's gone on he's having a hard time it reminded me when I thought about that, he, he's so distraught, he can't speak. It made me think of uh, when I ran cross country I, for one season, I, uh, one of the first practices I was on, I was running along, you know, just having a good old time, and I, I looked down at a, my watch for a second, and before, before I looked up, I had run, you know, full speed, just right into a mailbox, and, <laughs> you know, cut my finger open, and it knocked the wind out of me. If you've ever had the wind knocked out of you, I am so sorry. It's just one of the worst feelings, right? You can't, you can't speak, you can barely breathe. And it makes me wonder, maybe this psalmist ran into a proverbial mailbox in his life, you know? He was going along merrily, having a good old time, and then something out of nowhere, unexpected, unanticipated, just knocks the wind out of him. I feel like most of us could probably relate. So what does he do? Well, He does exactly what the people of God have been counseled and encouraged to do. He remembers God. I remembered you, God, he says. But it doesn't seem like it helps. (laughs) You probably, yeah, you can see the verse already, so you know. He says, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. This does not sound like memory opening her granaries (laughs) and nourishing his faith. It kind of sounds like remembering God just made things worse. If you skip down to verse 6, he says, I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. So he keeps remembering. I remembered my songs in the night, my heart meditated, and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Man, I read this and I think I have totally been here. I have had the wind knocked out of me by the mailboxes of life and actual mailboxes and I have remembered and meditated my way right along with the psalmist into a basement without light. See, he remembers God and groans because remembering God's past goodness just brings up questions about God's character in the present. And the questions that he asks are pretty raw. He says, moving on, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten? In a psalm about remembering, has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? He's saying, when I remember my past, when I remember how you blessed me, and how it seems as though those blessings have turned to pain, it causes me to wonder if you're really as good as you declared yourself to be. When I read these questions, it makes me wonder, are there questions that we haven't dared to ask God because they feel too big or too scary? Are there questions that you have been afraid to ask God because they feel just too big? If there are, can I just challenge you to ask them anyway? (laughs) Because you know what, sure, the psalmist here is struggling right now, but he's doing one thing right. Wherever remembering takes you, even if it takes you into a dark place full of questions, take those questions to the Lord. He's not afraid of our questions. And this questioning of the psalmist culminates here, which uh, I'm going to actually read this next verse out of a different translation from what I've been reading so far. If you're reading in the NIV, it'll say something a little different. Um, But many translators and commentators think this is actually a better way to read this verse. Um, Most other versions other than the NIV will say something like this. So I'm reading this out of the NASB. He says, Then I thought it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I mean, this is it, isn't it? This is why memory becomes a basement without light. This is why remembering our stories doesn't give us that upwelling of faith that our spiritual teachers assure us that it should because the source of our grief is that it seems like God might have changed. Something about the psalmist's circumstances, maybe maybe it's a terrible event, maybe it's just a feeling of distance that he's never felt before, is such that it causes him pain to remember God's goodness of the past because it seems like that goodness is now nowhere to be found. Memory becomes a trap when our past or present pain convinces us that God's heart is not truly for us. I'm going to say that one more time. Memory becomes a trap when past or present pain convinces us that God's heart is not truly for us. But, maybe there's a different way to remember. Maybe there's a different way to tell our stories. A different playlist of songs to shape how we see them. Right here, out of this moment of confusion and hurt and questioning in the psalm, there is a sudden shift. It's almost like the psalmist just takes a deep breath and he shifts to the next track and he cranks up the volume and he starts to sing another kind of remembrance song. He says, verse 12, I will remember the deeds of the lord yes i will remember your miracles of long ago i will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds there is something different about the way the psalmist is remembering right now and in the following verses from what he did in the first half right you can hear it in how he's declaring his intention he's doing this on purpose i will remember yes i will remember He is purposefully shifting the attention and focus of his remembrance. So what is different this time around? Well, uh, the first thing that's different is that now it's personal. Now it's personal. And what I mean by that would be really obvious if we were all reading this in Hebrew. When he says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, the Lord there is God's personal name for himself, Yahweh. It's the name that he named himself to Moses way back in Exodus. And it's the first time in the psalm that the psalmist uses it. Every other time he mentions God, it's a different word. It's Elion, or Most High. But now he uses God's personal name. He is intentionally setting himself to remember, not a God in the abstract, not a God at a distance, not an idea of God, but Yahweh, God as he is, God as he's declared himself to be, the God who is personal. And the second thing that's different about this kind of remembering is that now the psalmist is remembering not really his story, but God's. I'll remember your deeds, your miracles, your works, he says. So now Yahweh is the shaper and the focus of the story, not the psalmist. And for the next five verses, and I really wish I could just like dive into these verses with you guys, but I can't because I don't have time. But in the next five verses, if you read them, he uses just this incredible, powerful imagery to describe the parting of the Red Sea. This moment when God demonstrated his authority over chaos and nature and every other power by parting the seas and redeeming his people. And God just fills his view. Instead of being the center of the remembering, the psalmist becomes like just a bystander, a witness of what God has done. I think that we might be comfortable seeing God as the center and focus of all history, right? But what about our own stories? I mean I mean surely like my story at least is about me, right? Maybe it's not. <laughs> I mean, what would it mean? What would it mean for you to remember your story with God as the protagonist of it? With God is the hero of your story, as the shaper and the focus of the narrative. It might seem kind of odd to say that. I think especially if you don't maybe come from a faith background and you're here today, you might be thinking, this sounds a little egotistical of God. I mean, Okay, I am, I'm the protagonist of my story, right? Why does God have to be the center of that too? Um, if that's you, I just want to gently say, this is really good news. It's really good news that we're not the heroes of our own stories. We want to be sometimes uh, because we think that significance comes from being at the center. We think if the story's not about us, it means we're not valuable. But that is not the case. If this is God's story, that doesn't mean you're not valuable. It means that God takes your story personally. It matters hugely to him. You matter hugely to God and your past along with you. It just means, and this is good news again, it means that not everything that happens to me is actually about me or only about me. And this is what it looks like to remember rightly. To remember the past, even my past, as God's story, not mine. If I remember the past as if it's all about me, well then, all the past and present events become the lens through which I see him, and when my circumstances change, then maybe I wonder if God's heart has changed. But if I see the past as God's story, well then every song on the playlist is about him and I see all events and all circumstances through the lens of his character. And this is what happens as the psalmist recounts God's story in the second half of the psalm. Remembering the past with God and his saving act at the center of it reminds us of the character of God. I'm just going to be pulling out as I as I read through these verses I'm going to pull out some of the characteristics of God that we see here. If you read them, you might find more. So maybe be a good challenge for later. But as I read this passage, I see that the God who is for you, the God who is the protagonist of your story, is set apart. He is unique. There is no one like him. The God who is the protagonist of your story is a God who acts. He does stuff. He part-sees. He takes action on behalf of human beings for their redemption. The God who is the protagonist of your story has authority over everything, even chaos. The God who is the protagonist of your story works in ways that are not always immediately visible or comprehensible. And the God who is the protagonist of your story is gentle. He provides for his flock like a good shepherd. Ultimately, the God who says, I'm the protagonist of your story, is the God who demonstrated his heart for us through the life and suffering and sacrifice of Jesus. So I'm not sure today in which half of the psalm you might locate yourself. (laughs) Maybe you're already here in this second half just in awe over all that God has accomplished as the hero of your story. And if that's you, we need to hear from you. Please sing your song of remembrance. Please tell the story of who God has been to you. Some of us just don't have that much to remember. And we need help from people who have stories of God's faithfulness. Or maybe you're somewhere in the first half. Maybe you're struggling to remember God in the midst of a painful past or a painful present, finding yourself asking scary questions about his goodness. If that's you, God has a comforting word for you. He has not changed, and he's not afraid of your questions. But I think he might invite you gently to remember rightly, to remember who the hero of your story really is, and like the psalmist, be on purpose about it. You know, ask him to remind you. Get some songs on your playlist that help you remember him. Set yourself to remember God's story to which you have been a witness, and let that story sing to you of who he is. I Thought a lot about how I wanted to close today, um, and I thought, you know, we have to we have to sing. It's a, we're in a series about singing. So we're going to have to sing. Um, And for for millennia, the people of God have practiced this kind of purposeful remembrance through singing. Through singing songs, we remind our own hearts and we remind one another of who God is and of what that means for our stories. We practice remembering rightly together. Um, So we're going to sing this song. We're just going to do like One verse and the chorus. But as we do, I just want to invite you to think about your story. To think about who you see in the center of it. And ask God to help you see him. Um, So if you'd like to stand on our able, you can stand with me as we sing. um, And then we're going to worship together today.
1: Fail not as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. More see With Hillcrest Church. For more info on this and other sermons, visit us online at hcbellingham.com or join us.